You've been listening to the podcast, the new author, Uncle Michon, I'm Nacho Black from Louisville, Kentucky. This conversation, the family, you're my family. We're back for another show with Uncle Michon, special show of uh, what I found out that's going on in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Dad, let me just ask you, what year were you born, Dad? 44. Thank you. Do you remember as a kid growing up about the Tulsa race uh, massacre that took place in 1921? Do you remember the aspects of it? That dualistic mind that we're in has many of us trapped. Now, you can't be human and spiritual. You got to make a side or take a side, and you got to deal with the one that's going to give you the best result. The human is not going to do that because the human is pretty much turning itself over to the government's way of doing things and not the spiritual way of things, how things should be done. The, the survivors here are over 100 years old, okay? They're, they are bowing to continue. Uh, this fight is not over, but just recently an Oklahoma judge decided to dismiss their lawsuit seeking reparations for the ongoing harm caused by hate-filled violence and rampage that destroyed their once-thriving majority. They say black community because that was a terminology, but I'm going to say the citizens of American slave communities a century ago. I think we're still hoping that the human side of the government system will do right by us, okay? or do the right thing, anything about us, just do the right thing. But if I'm hearing you properly, Dad, you basically saying that we we need, that's not going to happen. Why is it? I mean, we got three surviving individuals from this, and you mean to tell me still the, the, the spiritual side of people who are the dominant European culture cannot see the wrong, they don't have it within them, to see the wrongness from a spiritual side, Dad? If open, then what we're seeking is not going to be fine people. And what we're going to have to do is really find what we need to find within ourselves for the growth that we need. I believe that writing is still in the Constitution that says separate but equal. And that's been planted in our minds for so long. How can you be separate and equal? We're learning how to accept it, and we have accepted it all these years in regards to all the different names that we've been called from the time we came over. Our ancestors came over here, and that feeling is still in the air because even we don't know what we want to be called. I rather say that I'm the spiritual essence of my created being and be satisfied in living in it as compared to getting caught up in this mixture of white and black Many of our demographics of men just learn to just accept it and just go alone and just hope and pray that things are just going to come about and let go and let God and everything. And to a point, uh, to almost to a point, we just became so used and satisfied to the things that's going on. But I believe that the generation of all of us born after 1960, we who no longer felt the fact of men that no longer felt that they will be lynched or they no longer felt that they were going to be attacked 
They no longer feel that someone's going to come into our day. Now we can now defend our perimeter. We need to play the game or the chess game much different. And I'm actually thinking that we, instead of playing the, we got to see the chess game that's the color construct chess game that's on the table. But I think we need to implement our own game. And so I, I'm going to go ahead and bring the, Rick Holland is the, the Black Hawk from uh, 970 from uh, here in Louisville, Kentucky. I've been on this show a few times or so. An older gentleman, uh, my, my my elder, he also been involved with me with Man Up and everything. I'm actually very glad to have him co-hosting the show with me. One of the things I like about your concept of not reparations but inheritance, is that it, it, it brings us in a house where we always belong. Right. And uh, that, and all that's necessary is for people to lock on to the idea. And one thing that I, I tell a lot of, one of the things that they never taught in American history, in most places, is that we literally were bred here. Right. We were bred here. We were bred for certain characteristics based upon just like you go to the car dealership and order a car and they build it to your specifications, deliver it to your dealership, and then you buy it. Exactly. Yeah. We, and actually, it's going to go it's going to We were American made to serve yeah. America, dominant European culture. That was that. We right. were never meant. We were never meant to be equal or to participate. You notice I no longer use white because I think that's the deception. We, your generation, you and dad, you all were so indoctrinated in the color because that's all y'all see. But I don't think it's a color. I don't think it's color anymore. I believe it's a dominant European culture that doesn't want to be held responsible for the things of the past, and that's what this national that's going about reparations and what's going on in Tulsa. I believe that judge doesn't want to open up the, as you say, the Pandora box of the conversation of inheritance because it's not reparations, it's inheritance. What do you say to that, Rick? We were bred. Right. The state of Kentucky and the state of Maryland, when the Atlantic slave trade was ended, you know, where they were actually bringing boatloads of us from Africa. And to the Charleston and the, the, the various areas along the, the East Coast and bringing them in. And they also brought them on the West Coast of Mexico. There was an area down there. But when that ended, when the, it, it became illegal to bring more Africans from, from Africa, we, two states, Maryland and Kentucky, began to raise us as a bumper crop. They began to breed us for sale. Manufacturing. They, we, yeah. we became an industrialization. If you wanted field hands, they would make a, a, a big, strong buck, have a relationship with a big, strong winch, and produce bigger, stronger, and usually faster, and very often smarter individuals. And if you wanted to, if you had a if you had a slave that was extremely intelligent, and you wanted a, a good house slave, or you wanted somebody to help you run your plantation, 
you would you 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 would breed a, a a woman a winch that was known to be very intelligent with a with a young man who came from a group of people that were thought to be very intelligent, and then you would and then you would raise that child, you would teach that child mathematics, you would teach him bookkeeping skills. The idea of one of the one of the big things we got to unlearn. Is everybody when slavery ended? Not everybody didn't have, was without skills. You had a lot. Of, you had a lot of blacksmiths. You had a lot of horse trainers. You had a lot of manufacturers because not everybody that worked on a plantation, not everybody was doing agricultural stuff. They they had they, they sold clothes. They made clothes for each other. So that lead into why multiple towns. And towns that were ran and controlled by black slaves were able to prosper so quickly and to blow up so quickly because many of those skill sets that they were using to serve the dominant European culture, okay? When they became free, they had to get paid for it. Free, they were able to use it to build, like in Oklahoma, okay? Tulsa, Oklahoma. That was a Thriving, 19th was thriving. Yeah. I believe what happened also is just you had the king, spirited, dominant culture of men that were returning from war, Rick, is that after 1921, the World War One was ending and coming to an end, and you had all these, you had all these young European males coming back, and many of our men had couldn't go into the war, couldn't, and so they would stand back and they were building a industry. And so what happened? Joe brought this up. They were like Cain; they became envious. See, here it is: the the maybe the poor, poor European who. Families maybe wasn't living as well as some of the thriving Tulsa, yep. Oklahoma folks. And they intentionally burned it down. Got upset. Got Angry. upset. Jealous. Jealous. Envy. Cain misunderstood why Abel was having favor. Think about doing that time. That was a thriving, looking good. And right now, I'm seeing the fact that we have to find our true identity because there's a uniqueness in all of us. And we were thrown away from that uniqueness because many of us had to get out there and do jobs that didn't give us the opportunity to become that individual that we are, that greatness. Between my law enforcement and education, I spent almost 50-some-odd years, and what do I really have to show for it in all that time? And it's only because I went to work for someone else, as the system make most of us do, but many now are beginning to find out the fact that I need to get out there and find something of my own, utilizing the essence of what the creator provided me and putting that to use. What do you want to say to that, Rick? Yeah, we've all got to do some searching. One of the things that over the last big mistakes that we made over the last 100 years, I think beginning in the Harlem Renaissance, is that 
we began to be drawn to the shining. There, there was a lot. There were a great many people who made their living doing a great many things. Uh, blacksmiths, as a up on Eighth and Breckenridge, there's a building. I, it was a blacksmith shop when I was a kid, and I don't know. It, it was still they were still doing some metal work in the '80s, even. So those skills were still in existence after slavery ended. And then, you had black bass, blacksmiths. You had you had cooks who had been cooks on plantations, and right. they opened restaurants. They opened uh, kitchens. Uh, people that had worked in, in boarding houses as slaves owned by owners of boarding houses. They they knew how to run a business. They knew how to run a boarding house. And you, you had communities all over the country where African-Americans began to serve one another because they wouldn't be allowed, excuse me, to be White folks would not serve us. We couldn't pay them. to go. We couldn't go in there by and get a beer. But they could come at ours and get a beer, and we could take that money and use it. But but we would build we we built our own businesses and uh, Fisherville. I don't know much about Fisherville, but right here in Kentucky, up toward uh, out in the direction where you live, uh, be shorn. Uh, it used to be a small community called Fisherville. It was a black town. Newcastle was a, was pretty much a very largely black. Just. It, it, well, it, uh, we did stuff, but for some reason, we began to chase the, the, the shiny. Everybody wanted to be Cab Calloway. Everybody wanted to be Ethel Waters. Yeah, people we got, interested. We got chasing the wrong thing. Yeah, uh, Ethel Waters was a great jazz and blues singer, and she became a Christian, and everybody remembers her now as being a gospel singer. But... Um, Big Maybell, Fats Waller. We began to think in terms of entertainment and then sports as being our ability to break out and break away and be free. And, so we, and things like plumbing and carpentry, we began to slowly turn away from those those skills and abilities that after the Civil War, we had been able to build an, a, an economy that allowed us to survive away from white folks because white folks didn't want us in it. But, you know, that, that's true. What's missing? We, we, we were born and we were raised based upon everything that we were taught based upon the American system or the American way. But they were still lost in regards to what are we going to call them? So they gave us many names, and we wound up with the final one, I'm assuming, that would be the black, but we're greater than that. Now, if you're going to call me something, call me what I am and what I've learned. I am just as American as any other American in this country, and Amen. I'm going to have to be treated as such and make myself seen as such and Amen. not accept all these names that they're giving me. Now, black is the one that I'm hanging on to right now. But well, I'm not I, I, born 
growing any more in it than I was growing as the other. So why not call yourself what you are, American, and then be able to stop believing that for yourself and going out there not as a black man or a black woman, but as an American person with the American benefits that we are supposed to receive just being American. I want to go right back to the talk from Oklahoma and about this judge. Uh, there is uh, some there's some conversation is that the postal community and there's a potential that even the judge maybe is from that community and probably got multiple family members that actually probably participated in the massacre. I want this show to be heard by the Tulsa and the lawyers there. That what I'm about to add in here is that. Bottom line is, I believe Tulsa, Oklahoma, and many of the dominant European cultures is playing out a role right in my book when I talk about the titles in my book called Skeleton. We don't want dominant European culture, and many of us do not want our skeletons. We don't want to talk about, and we don't want to engage, but we don't realize that those skeletons are nothing more than a frame they're helping to build, but it's not meant for us to run from it. And I'm going to read something from my book. It says, but we don't usually get to choose the kind of the defining moment. We just have to stand and face when they come, no matter what sort of state we're in. I thought that was that was with Darren Sharon. Then in my book on page 83, it talks about be they events, memories, or traumas, we can never live a life free of them. Even if we wish to bury them for years, I try to rid myself of my skeleton that haunted me, forcefully, faithfully, grinning, phantoms of the past, unforgettable images burnt in my mind, but we cannot escape them. So instead of running from them, Oklahoma, Tulsa, Oklahoma, the judge, the dominant European culture, those who trying to, they don't want us, we're coming to our own. We want, it's not like we want to make them feel guilty or bad. We want them to own up to what's going on, but the dominant European culture don't want to look at their skeletons. So instead of running from them, let's talk about intelligence. Let's talk about it. What you're saying, the, the, the lower class. Now, you had people during that particular time, you had the, the, the European that had the, the funds, the money, but they played a game with the people who didn't have all that. They made, they opened their eyes all to right. the reality of the fact right. that these people here that under you are growing. And, and they are getting better things than you are getting. So if the ones that had the, the money played the that first, type of stuff or the ones that didn't, yeah, they're going to go against people like us because we were the ones coming up at that particular point. Change can come. However, it's got to come within us. And we got to love ourselves enough to step forward and say, I've had enough, and I'm going to do something about it and begin to do that and build that life because the only person that can build it is you. 
and now everybody else might not like what you're doing, but that shouldn't stop you from achieving what you feel that you want to achieve and put 150% of your energies and efforts in it to make it happen. I'm Uncle Michonne. I wrote a book, I'm Not So Black America, and I messed around. One of my partners, they're deciding, again, not to pursue anything or, or not be held accountable or do not want to be held accountable for the terminology they're using is reparations. But I actually reached out and spoke to the attorneys and not the attorney, I spoke to the administrative assistant, their secretary, and I asked them to take a look at my book. But I dropped about about but I dropped on them this terminology and I said to them, I believe that they're using the wrong terminology. I said to them that we need to learn how to they gotta cast a different spirit, a different ideology. They see us they're still trying to come at it as black and they're not black, okay? If if we don't upgrade it in cars, we don't upgrade it in computers, we don't upgrade it in everything, wouldn't it seem like we need to upgrade how we're engaging America today? And using old outdated language of the past is not going to seem get you into the system that they have already built firewall against. And that's and that that's where I'm going when I say to when I, that stop using the word reparation and use the word inheritance. Stop using the word reparation and understand reparation, you're still speaking as with as, as if you didn't have a birthplace. When you say you have when you say inheritance, you're identifying your birthplace. What is your birthplace? America. And if you got a birthplace, that means you have a birthright. Birthright means that leads you to inheritance. And I'm just going to say to all you listeners here, I have received my inheritance. I think five years ago, people who have known me, I started saying inheritance five years ago. And I found myself in a lawsuit, and I won my lawsuit, and I received my inheritance because I actually spoke to them and said, I am fighting for the justice of all those people who was not able to fight for their rights. I'm going to give my uh, Rick and my dad the closing remarks, but I want to leave this. We must speak new language. We must unlearn that false lie. We're not this country black. What we're doing, what we're speaking about is not any more reason for you to be upset or angry or hateful. Amen. This is we're seeking to do stimulates you to look at the truth of our past. Realize we can't fix, we can, all we can do is prevent the past from recurring. We can't go give revenge on anybody. All them people are gone. But what we can do is take advantage of the opportunities that we have here now and stop everybody that wants to go get, don't get mad at me because I'm one of those, I believe in reparations. We, we have to look at our children and prepare our children to, to be able to move forward into the, into the coming generations and to prosper and to not live in bitterness, but, but to live in, come from a spiritual place of, of, of forgiveness. But that being for saying you're forgiven don't mean you won't protect and defend yourself and your, and your family. 
Go ahead, Dad. Close us out. Godliness is in each of us, and we can't get rid of it. It's a part of us, and we have to give life to it in order to give life to ourselves. If we love God, we have to say we love ourselves because the essence of that is within us. And if we're going to claim it, the strength that goes along with that is a part of us. Christ didn't back up what he said, didn't back down from what he said. If you believe in you and you love you, which you should because you say you love the creator and the creator essence is you. So love you. And by loving you, don't deny you of anything in this life. You go out, you make it happen. The opportunity comes, accept the opportunity and give it everything you got. You don't need to be seeking reparation. What you need to be seeking is your birthright and your birthplace. Yes, sir. And then your inheritance of wealth shall come. I can ensure you that. But you must seek it. You must go after it. It's not something that someone's going to give to you. You've got to actively engage it. You've got to have the right attitude about it. You've got to act with authority and get what God has for you. This is Uncle Me, Sean, coming at you. Thank you, Rick, for being here. You've been listening to the podcast, the new author, Uncle Me, Sean, I'm Not Your Black, from Louisville, Kentucky. This conversation, the family, you're my family.